0: Good morning. Just kidding. Dr. Gary here, doing a little self promotion since I kind of backlog my episodes, but I just created some social media stuff so everyone can come at me. Um, so, Movie Firearms Podcast on Instagram. That's Movie Firearms Plural Podcast. No spaces, no special characters on Instagram. Or email me some hate mail at Movie at gmail.com. So, hopefully, you enjoy this episode. As much as I enjoyed making it. Adios. Good morning, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Internet Movie Firearms Podcast. And I am your host, Dr. Gary, resident movie and firearms enthusiast. And as I always say, I am not an expert, and all these are just my opinions. So go ahead and get yourselves a second one. Do I have an episode for you today? We are talking the legendary 2001 hit Training Day starring Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke. So, getting a couple things out of the way, my shtick is I am not an expert and I am not one, so do not take this podcast as scholarly do not take it as academic because I don't have notes, I don't have a script, I pretty much fly by the seat of my pants on this bad boy, and I do have some tabs open on the internet that you'll hear me clicking, but overall, I'm pretty much going off the top of my head. So bear with me. Now follow my podcast, I like to break it down into three acts, because this is the Internet Movie Firearms podcast. First act, we're talking movie, my review of the movie, trivia about the movie, anything I find interesting about the movie. Act two, we're talking guns in the movie, how they use the guns in the movie, any trivia about the guns in the movie. And my favorite, as always, act three, where we're chatting what I would pick. And if I could bring anything into this movie, if I had a magic movie ticket like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero, what would I bring with me? And that's act three. So let's get to it. Like I said, we're talking training day. Uh, And also, full disclosure here, uh, this is the second time I'm doing this podcast because last night I recorded the Training Day one and I recorded, uh, what was it, John Wick. Um, Because I watched both movies very recently. And sometimes I will kind of go back and re-listen to parts of it just to make sure that the audio is okay and nothing screwed up. I have 38 minutes of talking about the Training Day movie and it's all blank audio. There's nothing. So hopefully this one works. I also noticed on the john wick one there's some jumping and skipping so something's going on with my computer i don't know what it is i am using cheap like the free voice recorder software that comes preloaded onto um, the pc laptop that i'm rocking so who knows if it's that i need to upgrade i don't know i don't care and like i said before this laptop i bought um for my wife to, to work from home and once like the subscription services all expired on like all the free stuff that comes preloaded with, it's like just glitching out. So I need to go back and like clear out all that old programs like McAfee and all that junk. So I think that's locking everything up. So hopefully this one works. So take two on Training Day. Um, the last one probably was garbage anyway. So I guess it's better to, to try this again. So let's get in the movie here. Uh, we are talking Training Day, 2001. Like I said. And like I said, starring Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke, um, directed by Antoine Fuqua, which I hope that's how you say his name. I'm a huge fan of him. Um, and then written by David Ayer, who generally I'm a fan of as well. But if you remember or listen to my tax collector podcast, he did a garbage job with that movie. So like, this is his first big one. And he did a bunch of other good movies too. So let's talk about the plot first, and then I'll get into the production and the actors and all that good jazz. So the plot of training day, just as the name sounds, it is a training day for a rookie LAPD police office. Oh my God. Is LAPD police officer the same as, like, ATM machine, where you're, like, saying it, Los Angeles Police Department police officer? Um, so, narcotics unit. Denzel Washington is a seasoned narcotics officer, and may be corrupt, may not be. You find out as the movie goes on. And he's taking on a rookie by the name of Jake Hoyt, played by Ethan Hawke, who's pretty much by-the-book rookie. Um, and... You know, Denzel Washington plays this really cool, convincing guy, and he becomes eventually, spoiler alert here, um, kind of the anti-hero. And with this movie, I'm not going to say spoiler alert a bunch. If you haven't seen this movie by now, um, what are you doing, you know? Go see it. It's great. And I'm jumping ahead of myself here with the review of it. But So Denzel Washington takes Ethan Hawke under his wing and says, You have 24 hours to prove to me. You have what it takes to become part of my narcotics undercover division and adventure ensues. Um, the plot is a little bit spirally, if you will. I mean, it's always going in one direction, but it's spiraling as it goes because what happens is, is they have these like little mini adventures as time goes on. These plans unfold and Denzel Washington's pretty much driving these events to happen. And what you find out is Denzel Washington is a corrupt cop And he accidentally killed somebody in Vegas, part of the Russian mafia or the Russian mob. And they want to kill him unless he gives them a million dollars. So he's like secretly trying to, you know, move these chess pieces around the board to get money to pay them off. And um, spoiler alert, it doesn't happen because Ethan Hawke's character kind of gets suspicious and isn't, you know, starting to go along with it at first. And then it's like, "Mm, this isn't right. I shouldn't be doing this. And then there's a big showdown at the end. So great movie. It is pretty gritty. Um, I think it has like two, I think I saw one, one of the trivia things, 210 F words throughout this movie. So, you know, don't watch it with your kids. Um, but I think it's definitely, if you're an adult and you can handle some hardcore street thuggery, um, definitely a good movie. So it, it, like all David Ayer's movies, it is like Los Angeles. Southern California crime, narcotics, undercover street life, you know, involving gangs, gang bangers, drug dealing, all that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty gritty. And I think overall it's relatively believable. Um, when it comes to the setup of it now, and this comes from You know, me being a suburban white kid being like, whoa, I think they're doing drugs in the movie. Um, it seems believable to me. You know, I'm not an idiot. I pay attention. I've had some jobs working both juvenile detentions and drug and alcohol counseling. So, you know, I've seen some of it. I'm aware of, of what happens. So I'd say overall pretty believable as far as uh, the overarching how it works. And it loosely is, I don't want to say it's based off of a true story, but it is based off of like the real world crash units, um, which I actually looked up what crash stood for. And it's, <laughs> this is funny. Community resources against street. Hoodlums. <laughs> <laughs> street hoodlums. If I love acronyms, it's almost like it's self-given nickname. Like they're like, we want this awesome acronym and they find any words to throw in to kind of make it make sense because they want like, Oh, let's call it the crash unit. Yeah, that's cool. What should we call it? Oh, let's throw hoodlums in there, you know, it's just always so funny. you know, it, again, it's like giving yourself a nickname that you think is awesome until you actually look into it. you're like, wait, you named yourself what? Um, so yeah, the crash unit came out in 79 to combat a bunch of gang problems in LA and then eventually was disbanded in 2000 because of um, and their involvement in dirty copness, like scandals with uh, murders, robberies, police brutality, evidence planting. And participating in gang activity. So widespread police corruption within the Rampart crash unit of L.A. And I guess that all came about in 1997. So this movie deals a lot with that. And as well as the TV show The Shield. And whenever you look at like the IMDB pages and the Wikipedia pages for this movie, it alludes to both. And actually, when it comes to Act 2, when we're talking about the guns in the movie, they share some of the same guns. So, you know dealing with kind of real world topics of the crash unit slash rampart scandals. And then it's based off Denzel based his character off the, the kind of the ringleader of the uh, police officer named Rafael Perez. Um, I guess <laughs> I didn't know about this until like right now reading this, I guess he is accused of being a member of the bloods. Allegedly he's been rumored to murder. Um, biggie. The, the notorious B.I.G., um, you know, at the behest of producer Shook Knight of, excuse me, Death Row Records. And then he was arrested and then snitched on 70 other Rampart officers. And then looking at the Rampart, do I have the Rampart scandal open? This is interesting, too. Rafael Perez, when he was arrested, initially implicated over 70 officers in wrongdoing. Of those officers, enough evidence was found to bring 58 before internal. Um, administrative board, so internal affairs. However, only twenty-four were actually found to have committed any wrongdoing, with twelve given suspensions, seven forced into resignation or retirement, and five terminated. So basically nothing <laughs> happened. You know, like, oh you got fired. Dang it. I don't think anybody went to jail. But there's a bunch of lawsuits, hundred and twenty five million dollars in settlements with this whole rampart scandal with Perez and, and all that, so um, The movie kind of alludes to that, do you know, it doesn't say it by name, but the movie, the plot with like corrupt cops and how they just manipulate the system and like, are they too deep in undercover where they're becoming the criminals themselves? Um, That theme is throughout the movie. So I talked enough about that. I'll get rid of that stuff. we will get rid of the page for the crash unit. So, and I guess the crash unit was eventually, um, changed into LAPD gang and narcotics division. And that's what they refer to it as in the movie, um, training day, which came out in 2001, which would be pretty accurate since crash was disbanded in 2000. So it'd be right around that time when they were filming it, you know, the name crash Crash unit, um, was, was done, did gone. Um, so that's the plot. It's really good. There's some decent action scenes. Um some of it is a little harder to watch than others. Good movie with some nice twists and turns. I, I I'm a fan of it. Um, budget of $45 million box offices of $105 million. So it made some decent money. Um, I think this movie hits above its weight as far as like, I think, I think nowadays it's held in very high regard, and I want to say Denzel won an Academy Award for Best Actor, and Ethan Hawke was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. So, I think nowadays it has aged very nicely. I, I would say if most people had like a list of movies, you know, top 100 movies you have to see before you die, I bet your Training Days on most of those. So even though it wasn't like just setting records in the box office, it did well it's regarded as one of the better movies. And, and I think Denzel Washington even said that this is like his favorite actor that he played was um, Alonzo Harris, um, kind of the corrupt anti-hero cop sort of. Um, so let's talk about the, the production a little bit. So directed by Antoine Fuqua, who I really like. He's from Pittsburgh. He does great stuff. I'm going to click on him here and see what else he's done. So he's most famous for Training Day Oh, he's done a ton of stuff. Uh, Replacement Killers, Training Day, Tears of the Sun, King Arthur, Shooter, Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus' Fallen, The Equalizer, also with Denzel. And then he did, I believe, oh no, he left that project, Southpaw, uh, Magnificent Seven, again with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke, both, which I always like when... Directors and producers bring actors back because it always kind of shows like, oh, this person is a decent person to work with for the most part. You can assume it. Um, So I always like to see when people keep working with the same people over and over again. Um, And then he also does The Resident, which is a medical drama on Fox, which I'm not really into that style of TV shows. I'm not into dramas, um, but I do like The Resident. I will admit I like that show. So everything that Antoine uh, Fuqua touches, I like So he's in it, or I'm sorry, he directs it, and it was written by David Ayer. So I mentioned David Ayer before, he wrote Training Day and Fast and Furious, which both came out in 2001, so he was just crushing it with some Los Angeles underground kind of movies. Um, SWAT, Harsh Times, Street Kings, End of Watch, Sabotage, so like all gritty crime dramas. And then he got into directing a little bit, and he did Suicide Squad, Fury, Bright, on netflix all pretty good and then he comes out with the tax collector which was pretty garbage so normally he hits it out of the park sometimes he doesn't with the tax collector which was garbo so i wanted to mention him to give him some redemption for how much i poo-pooed on the tax collector and he was in the navy kind of cool there he was a squid so yep that's david ayer and then everybody pretty much knows Denzel and Ethan Hawk. I'm not gonna go into them a whole bunch. They're awesome, they hit it out of the park. But let's get into let me make sure this is still filming or recording. Allegedly when I talk, the little thing moves, so it looks like it's recording my voice and not just recording blank things. So let's hope this I don't have to do this three times, because I probably just skip it if I do. So one thing I started um, is I'm going to start reading some of the fun trivia from IMDB. So just because some of them are pretty interesting of note, a lot of this stuff, I think anybody can throw these in there and then people upvote and downvote kind of like urban dictionary in a way. So, I mean, it's even less moderated than like Wikipedia. So some of this stuff may be wrong and some of it I'll even be like, I don't think that's true, (laughs) but they're kind of fun. So, Um, let's get into some trivia. So during the scene when Jake plays cards with the Latino gangsters, so in the middle of the movie or towards the end of the movie, um, these are all going to be spoilers all throughout this. If you haven't seen it, I, again, I don't know why you're listening to this. If you haven't, um, there's one dude named sniper, one dude named smiley. And then the one actor who plays Hector in fast and furious are kind of playing cards and messing and taunting Ethan Hawke a little bit before they kind of beat him up and almost kill him. When they were filming that scene, Antoine Fuqua, I guess, just gave them instructions to do a bunch of random stuff and didn't tell Ethan Hawke what they were going to do to kind of add to that tension. I will say it is very frustrating when, you know, I I don't want to say gangbangers, but like people mess with you that way. Like when I used to work juvenile detentions, we had some kids who were like some hardcore gangbangers, not all of them, but some were. And they would mess with you a little bit and you're like, I know you're messing with me, but I'm trying to, you know, not escalate it. And it, it's very frustrating. So Ethan Hawke's character in that scene, I can just, I can feel his frustrations because I've been in situations similar, obviously not the same kind of stakes, but yeah. Um, another trivia factoid, Denzel Washington allegedly said that Detective Alonzo Harris is his favorite character. I did say that, um, but I don't remember if he said that in interviews. Allegedly, the line that Denzel said, King Kong, I'm going to swear here, um, King Kong ain't got shit on me, was ad-libbed, which is probably the most quoted move, The line from this movie. There's two big quotable lines in this movie, and one is King Kong ain't got shit on me, and the other one is, I'm going to swear again, Denzel has a shotgun, he goes, Jake, you know I'm surgical with this bitch. Um, I say that every time I pick up a shotgun. Uh, so another <laughs> trivia factoid, allegedly Tobey Maguire was considered to play the part of Jake Hoyt, which was Ethan Hawke's character. He even went undercover with some narcotics units, lost, uh, or gained a bunch of weight, beefed up for the role. It'd just be funny to see Spider-Man being, you know, in training day. If you guys can imagine Spider-Man 3 with the infamous dancing scene, him and Denzel. (laughs) It's a good choice on Ethan Hawke. Um, Allegedly, another trivia factoid, allegedly in some of the neighborhoods they were filming, some of the gang members allowed them to film if they were allowed to be extras in the movie, so some of the, the extras in the back of the movie may actually have been, um, gang members, allegedly, I mean, you know, is everybody who lives in a bad neighborhood a gang member kind of thing? I don't know, um, let's see, let's see, oh, 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 yeah, Denzel Washington decided to give his character the same look as LAPD officer Rafael Perez, who I talked about. They kind of have the same, Denzel got the same haircut and the same, like, goatee and all that as Officer Perez. I don't know, I didn't look up any pictures, I couldn't find any pictures of Officer Perez like in street clothes to see if, you know, that nice leather, long leather jacket that Denzel wore throughout the movie was kind of there, but Denzel definitely plays it cool. I mean, he's a cool dude in this movie. Um... What else? Oh, and there's some Easter eggs. Allegedly, the license plate to Alonzo's car is a throwback to, or a nod to Officer Perez. I, I don't know. Oh, sorry, my phone just went off, and I don't know where it is. Nothing important. Cool. Um, oh, 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 Allegedly, Eminem was offered to play Jake Hoyt. Ethan Honk's character, but he was too busy involved with Eight Mile, but Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre are in it, and we'll talk about them with the guns. Um, let's see, who else? There's like a bunch of different things, like they wanted Matt Damon, maybe, Samuel Jackson, um, who else? Christian Bale, Bruce Willis, Mickey Rourke, we're all supposed to have roles in it. I don't know how true any of that is, but it would be an interesting movie. I truly don't think anybody could have done it better than Denzel Washington, and I really like Ethan Honk, and I don't think anybody could do it better than him as well for those roles, so, those are in it, I guess Morg Wahlberg too, it looks like here, so, oh, Gary Sineas and Tom Sizemore as well, that'd be also interesting, yeah, again, I these are all just on IMDb, I don't know how true some of those are, but some of the facts are kind of fun on there, some are pretty Dumb. So that's basically the movie with a review. I give it a solid a, um, just not an a plus, but for me, it's a buy it movie. I like watching it, you know, maybe every six months or so. I think it's worth watching. The rewatch quality is pretty decent overall. Um, you know, it is on the grittier side. So sometimes people are like, Oh, I want a light, happy movie. This is not necessarily that movie. Um, but it is, it's a phenomenal movie. It's probably in my top 25 best movies of all time. I'd say, um, so yeah, definitely stream it. If you haven't seen it and there's not, it's not on a streaming service and you want to watch it, definitely rent it. I would say just buy it at this point. I think it's worth having. This is a put it in the movie collection movie. Again, training day, solid A. Great acting, great filming, great plot. Everything is just, it works out well. But one thing I do <laughs> want to touch on, um, the, the Monte Carlo that he has is absolutely sick. It's on hydraulics and stuff in the movie. Um, and I just think that's such a cool car. And my first car was a 89 Jeep Wrangler. And it was so since it was an 89, it was a straight eighties with like some Chrome embellishments. It was black and I would wax it like every day we got it real cheap. Um, but it was in really good condition. So I always wanted to put hydraulics on it and make it a low rider. And I I put a system in it later on whenever I was working a little bit more and I could afford it. I put a system in and I used to play the still Dre instrumental song, just like in the movie and roll around. So, you know, suburban white kid be like, Oh, look how gangster I am. with my, uh, with my Jeep and my still Dre, I'm almost exactly the same as dead Zell Washington. So clearly a little bit of embarrassing moments there for me with this movie. So let's, let's get in act two. Let's talk the guns of the movie a tad bit. Let's see how far I'm in. 20 minutes in. We're timing is doing a okay. And it sounds like it's still recording audio. It says it is. I hope it is. Um, let's see here. So let's start with basically hero guns or, or shall I say anti hero guns? um, Denzel Washington's character carries, he dual wields them in shoulder holsters. So they're kind of hanging out by his um, obliques underneath his jacket the whole time. Smith and Wesson, 45.06s. So Smith and Wesson, I believe the 45.06 is a third gen. I think third gens all have four, four numbers. Um, now when it comes to Smith and Wesson, they're, they're a full metal series. They have first, second and third gen. They all kind of loosely look the same. They look kind of like, up. oh no, ad, get out of here. God, I hate ads. I'm turning my speakers off. And let's see if I turn my speakers off. It still looks like I'm recording audio. I'm being paranoid. Sorry, everyone. Um, So the Smith & Wesson 1st, 2nd, 3rd gens all kind of look like modern 1911s and they function relatively similar to 1911s. But instead of having a single action only trigger like in 1911, they have single action, double action with um, various safety decockers, things like that. So I'm just looking at this page real quick. I can't see anything. I believe the 4500 series is a third gen. I want to say the first gens are two digits. Second gens are three digits. Third gens are fourth digit, four digit code numbers. Not Sure. Um, but yeah, let's go with it. Let's just say it's the third gen either way, stainless, full metal, double action, single action, hammer fired auto pistol. They are awesome. They are single stack though. So they do only hold eight rounds. So kind of like your 1911, just a little bit more modernized. Um, but again, he dual wields them. So he has like 16 rounds of 45 on tap with that gun. Pretty darn cool. Um, One thing to note, Michael Chiklis, I mentioned the shield already. He carries it as well. He carries the same gun, both Denzel Washington and Michael Chiklis. When they hold the gun, they kind of hold it. I don't want to say limp wristed because, but they don't hold it like with a nice solid locked grip. They kind of have it angled up and out, kind of like a little kid shooting a water gun in a way. Um, but in this movie, Denzel handles it very well. There, He does use it in shootouts where he's using, you know, one in each hand, and he's shooting until the mag runs dry, the slides locked back, all that. So even if he doesn't hold it as, like, modern tactically as people do now, he holds it with style, he carries them well, he does a little bit of gangster-style shooting, but whatever, who cares? He's a gangster-ish character. So it works for me when it comes to gun handling of the 4506 by Denzel Washington. And they are intimidating when he uses them to hold up people with them. And he has some cool things where he rubs the guns together and he pistol whips a dude in the crotch with it. Like the perfect guns for him. If you ask me, cause they're cool, but they're also kind of like department issue at the same time. Cause normally kind of like department issue is like, "Eh, that's a nerd gun. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Um, on the internet movie farm database website, it does say that they were approved for carry because of the infamous North Hollywood shootout. So I want to chat about that real quick. So the North Hollywood shootout, I know I'm jumping around here a little, but the North Hollywood shootout took place in 97. Two bank robbers, um, robbed a bank of America in North Hollywood they were both killed, but 12 police officers and eight civilians were injured, and they guessed 2,000 rounds of ammo. Who knows how many much money and property damage was um, ruined. So yeah, two dudes go into a bank. They took some drugs to kind of calm their nerves. I think they were... Ben- were they benzos that they took? Um, barbiturates. So they took some... You know, drugs to calm their nerves, slow everything down a little bit, numb them up. Go went and robbed a bank. Um, they had some like body armor, and then they modified other body armor for their like arms and legs. And they had a Norinco AK-47, so Norinco 56, um, Bushmaster Dissipator, AR-15 variant. Also, I think they had an HK-91 as well, and I think a Beretta was listed. But they decked themselves out in this homemade body armor in a way. Robbed the banks, didn't get away, got in these big shootouts. The cops were carrying, like, little baby 9mm, 38 special revolvers, and maybe a a shotgun. So they were not able to penetrate the body armor, so the cops are, like, launching rounds into them. And then the two bad guys had, again, an AK-47 and an AR-15 variant pretty much were kind of unstoppable in a way, you know, to an extent. And I ever watched a documentary on it when I was a kid, uh, whenever they were doing it, I guess some of the cops were going into, um, like local gun stores buying like hunting rifles and stuff and, and trying to get arm up themselves, you know, um, to get these guys. And I don't remember how they eventually get in the shootout and how, I guess the swap members come up and they eventually killed them. I, I'm not going to read into it too much, but yeah, so basically the one internet page on the guns is alluding to the North Hollywood shootout, which basically the, the LA police were undergunned carrying their little dinky revolvers and dinky pistols. And I want to say the Miami shootout was around that time too. Paul, Paul Harold does a really good um, video on YouTube about the Miami shootout. And I think that's one where the FBI decided why they wanted to go from like revolver 38 special revolvers to the 10 millimeter, which eventually switched to the forty. Smith and Wesson, and that's a whole other story, and I'm not going to get into it on this podcast because I'm already rambling enough, you know, veering off on detours. So, one of the guns that was then allowed to be issued to police officers in LA would have been the Smith and Wesson 4506, so accurate for him to have it, and it's kind of cool to see the, not cool, but interesting to see the backstory of why certain department issue guns were now becoming around instead of people carrying the plain Jane, you know, uh, 38 specials. Officer Hoyt. So Ethan Hawke's character carries a Beretta 92 FS and it's mentioned in the movie, you know, Denzel Washington calls him up, um, Alonzo Harris and says, Hey, do you have something you can con- conceal carry? You have something for a pocket carry? He goes, Oh, I just have my department issue Beretta. And he says, okay, that works fine. Bring that meet me at the diner. So officer Hoyt carries it the whole movie. He uses it, you know, p- during his cop stuff, he uses it, you know, pointed, you see it a lot. He handles it well. And during that scene with um, playing cards with the three Latino gangsters, um, he does like drop the mag, rack a bullet out of it, and catches it. Does some cool guy stuff with like manual of arms. So pretty accurate there as far as manual of arms and how he carries it and uses it um, with his old-school Weaver stance. So, Beretta 92, big fan. Um, then there's a stainless Beretta that one of the guys from the car- narcotics unit carries. It's the Beretta 92 FS Inox. Beretta uses Inox as stainless, I don't know if that's stainless in Italian, or they just act like it is, but yeah, it's a stainless Beretta 92, and like I said before, the Beretta 92, full size, combat, duty carry, 9mm, open slide design, hammer fire, double action, single action for the most part, and it was the service, United States Military Service, handgun from like 85 to most recently, whenever it was placed by the SIG 320, so it's in the movie, um, you do have some Glocks in the movie as well, and you can't have a cop movie without a Glock. And as I always say, a Glock is a Glock, it's a Glock. And if it's black and it's square, it's a Glock. However, it makes me out to be a liar because there is a stainless Glock in this movie. So it's not black and square, it's silver and square. Um, and it looks like they're all Gen 2s because they don't have slide. Um, I'm sorry, they don't have, um, rails for like lights or lasers, don't put, don't put a laser on your gun. They don't have rails for lights on, on the dust cover and they don't have finger grooves. So I assume Gen 2. Um, and most of my buddies who are issued Glocks, they're all Gen 2s and they're haggard. So I assume they're issued Glocks, Gen 2s in this as well. So a couple Glock 17s throughout, um, there is a Glock 19 and Snoop Dogg's character has it. Um, Snoop Dogg plays a drug dealer who's in a wheelchair, and they kind of tackle him from his wheelchair, and then make him puke up some drugs, and they start counting out the bullets, the rounds of ammo from his magazine, being like, that's another 10 years, that's another 10 years, and they get him to talk, and then when he talks, that's kind of how some of the plot goes, they find out about this guy named Sandman, and Denzel Washington decides he's going to go rob Sandman, Um, but yeah, so Glock 19, not a bad option as well, so when it comes to Glock's Full-size is going to be your 17, mid-size is going to be your 19, and then the baby stubby one is going to be the 26, if we're talking 9mm double-stack Glocks. Um, So yeah, some full-size and mid-size Glocks. Um, Another gun that one of the uh, narcotics officers carries is the Sig P226. So another full-size, all-metal duty handgun, double-action, single-action Sig hour competed against the Brada for the military trials, allegedly lost via budget, but still used by military police all over. Great choice. Carried by one of the narcotics officers. And there's a 1911 that was, I think it was in the glove box. Uh, at the end of the movie, it was in the glove box of Denzel Washington's Monte Carlo. And then eventually Ethan Hawke's character gets it and then shoots Denzel Washington in the butt with it at the end of the movie. And I'm going to swear again, He's like, Oh, you shot me in my ass. So yeah. 1911 hand on your heart. John Moses Browning and 45 ACP, <clears throat> excuse me, was uh, shooting some rumps if you will. And then there's a revolver. The one character, um, one of the neighborhood guys has a snub nose 357. It's a mod- Smith and Wesson model 66 snub nose. So I do am a big fan of The Smith & Wesson Model 66s, they are classy, but the one in the movie looks a little rusty with tape on the handle. Um, Still good. Snub nose revolver all the same in 357 Magnum. Um, And it's kind of used at the end in the last showdown. And then one other gun that's kind of interesting that actually gets some screen presence. Intratech Tech 38 Over Under Pocket Pistol. So in the movie, they call it the Stinger. And, well, the one character, Roger... Who they eventually like kill and rob, um, as part of their corruption, police corruption. Um, he has two little double barrel derringers, made by Intratech, which I believe is the same company because the the Intratech Tech 38 is the same that makes the Intratech Tech 9. So your Tech 9 submachine gun, kind of more cheaper Saturday Night Special style, um, little derringers in 38 special that he has. Again, they call him Stingers in the movie. And they use it to kind of, after they kill him with a shotgun, um, which you can see like the buckshot holes, they kind of does a good job special effects wise with the, the bullet wounds. They shoot the dude in the stomach through his bu- or in his bulletproof vest. And one of them goes on the, they hit him on the side and it goes through. So in the movie, they do use the Derringers um, to kind of set up a justification for murder, if you will. Um, One of the narcotics officers, played by Dr. Dre, um, H&K MP5A3, so we're getting the submachine guns now, which I think there's only one in the movie, Um, the usual H&K Heckler and Koch German-made submachine gun from the 60s, it is awesome, roller-delayed blowback, probably the most iconic submachine gun of all time. And it's the A3 because it has a collapsible stock. So pretty darn cool submachine gun. Not a bad option to have if you're a narcotics officer and or SWAT officer. So I wouldn't mind having one there. Um, Now let's get into shotguns. So Ethan Hawke's character uses a Mossberg 500 cruiser. So pistol grip pump shotgun Mossberg 500 Like I've said a thousand times before, when it comes to shotguns in movies, if it's a pump, chances are it's a Mossberg 500 or a Remington 870, and it's kind of personal preference. Allegedly, if it was an LAPD one, it should have had the heat shield. I don't know about that, because I thought heat shields were only for trench guns and or to look cool on the internet, but I guess the LAPD did issue heat shields on their Mossberg 500 cruisers, and Ethan Hawke's character did not have one on his shotgun, Either way, doesn't matter. Cool shotgun, obviously not bad for clearing rooms and stuff like that. But yeah, 12 gauge with a pistol grip and no stock is really going to be a wrist breaker. They do use it to kill Roger, um, which is a shame, but pretty cool. And then Denzel, when he's surgical, I'm surgical, Jake. He's surgical with his Remington 870 pump shotgun. Again, another pistol grip pump. With the heat shield and the uh, bayonet lug trench gun on the front end. He has it in the final showdown in the end of the movie. Denzel Washington's character has it under his bed. Um, And he jumps down and grabs his Remington 870. And some awesome gratuitous use of it in a shootout in the house with that 870. So um, pretty shotgun heavy. Which makes sense because we're talking duty guns here. You know, police a lot of times you're talking duty sidearm pump shotgun and maybe an AR-15 is pretty much standard issue for a lot of departments. Maybe not as much AR-15s at the time when this movie came out, but yeah. So shotgun heavy. And then there is a double barrel sawed off shotgun, um, that they use with like tape on the handle and all that. The three Latino gangsters, um, smiley. He uses it to, um, hold up Jake and almost kills him in a bathtub with it until they find out that like, Officer Hoyt actually saved his niece from a raping earlier in the movie. So something kind of come full circle. So yeah, there is a sawed off shotgun that makes some screen presence as well. And then the only real big rifle in the movie is the AKM SU Crink. So stubby submachine gun version of the AK 47 and seven, six two by 39 and the Russian mafia, a bunch of them jump out of a black van and light up Denzel Washington's character at the end of the movie and kill him because he wasn't able to get the um, money in time. The one bad guy wasn't able to get money to the other bad guys, So yeah, realistically pretty pistol heavy. So we're talking some duty guns. So some Smith and Wessons, some Berettas, some Glocks, a SIG thrown in there and then, you know, an MP5, a couple pump shotguns, and an AK-47. The gun handling in the movie, I think, is pretty decent for what you would expect, you know, it's not, like, super choreographed, and they're not doing anything super flamboyant, but, um, it's what you would expect, probably, to, like, look good for the movie, but also be, like, relatively believable when it comes to, like, manual of arms, and what you would expect, like, police officers, how to handle guns and stuff, so, I think it's a it, pretty good job. Everything is pretty believable. I don't like cringe too much at any of the weapons handling in the movie. Um, everyone seems to know how to hold the gun pretty well overall. So that's act two. Um, let's make sure I'm still recording. Oh, I am, allegedly. So let's get into act three. Let's talk my favorite guns in the movie, what I would pick, and um, if I could bring anything into this movie, what would it be? So of the guns that they have, I I would really like the Smith and Wesson 4506s just because I like Smith and Wesson third gens, and they look so cool when Denzel Washington's character has them dual wielded. Um, but in the movie, like generally, they're using it for police work, and even if it's crooked police work, it's it's that same style of like small houses you're not in mil- like in combat to where you're like firefights with multiple you know a whole division or company or platoon right it's it's kind of like raiding houses things like that um there is a big firefight where they're fighting off a couple gang members while they're after they rob a house and running away and then i guess you can say that there's the russians like four or five russians get out of a van with ak's so i mean but realistically a, a duty gun would be nice So something that has, like, reliable, decent capacity, also a little intimidating would be nice as a narcotics officer. Um, You know, something that really raises some pulses and says you mean business without being too flashy. You know, I don't want, like, a chrome-plated engraved 1911 or, like, a gold-plated AK, but, you know, something with some intimidation factor. So I would initially really think the Smith & Wesson 4506 would be what I would want, but again, it's a single-stack, it's just a step above a 1911. Um, Did I say hand on your heart, John Moses Browning for the 1911? I don't know, but I'm doing it now. Um, And initially I would want the MP5 as my submachine gun because, you know, 30 round mag, it's compact, it's reliable. It's just a great gun, especially if you're doing police work, SWAT style stuff. Right. But because this is training day and, I do love the line, I'm surgical with this. Every time I pick up a shotgun, I'm going to go with Denzel's loadout. My primary and secondary, I'm going with what Denzel Washington's going with. I'm going with that pump-action Remington 870 that he has, so that way I can say nonstop, I'm surgical (laughs) with this. Maybe not the most practical, but they use shotguns well in the movie, and you have to do it. It's training day. You have to pick a shotgun. So I'm taking a pump-action pistol-grip shotgun, and as my sidearm oh what do I want to go with I'm gonna go with one that I haven't gone with before I'm going with the Glock 19 I know it's not very intimidating but it's concealable especially if you're doing narcotics work you don't want to have to wear like a whole duty rig or anything like that it's nice to have like a moderately concealable gun it still holds 15 rounds of 9 millimeter and I always kind of say like I don't shoot Glocks as well as I shoot other things I was shooting a Glock 19 X at the range um, yesterday and I did really well with it compared to what I normally do. So, you know, maybe I'm starting to get a hang of Glocks a little bit better. Just, they do have a weird grip angle and weird trigger. So give me the Glock 19, give me the pump action shotgun so I can be surgical. That's what I'm going with in this movie. You know, not super intimidating. The shotgun's intimidating, intimidating, but the handgun is kind of plain. So, but useful, Now, if I could bring anything in, I know the movie came out in 2001, but I'm going to pick some modern stuff and I'm going to kind of break away from the shotgun here a little bit. I'm going to go with a CZ Scorpion Evo 3. So little CZ submachine gun. I think they're intimidating looking. They look very tactical. They look very futuristic without being obnoxious and gimmicky looking. So I think that CZ Scorpion, not only does it mean business like performance wise, Excuse me. It looks like it means business. So I'm going with it. I'm doing hipster style, right? Since LA is all about gentrification of the hipsters, I'm doing hipster CZ. Give me the CZ Scorpion Evo 3. Oh, and for a sidearm, I'm going to keep it CZ just to keep it consistent. And I'm going to go with the P07 Duty. So initially I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll do the P09 because it holds 19 rounds of nine millimeter, but it is a big handgun. So I'm going to go with the mid-sized polymer framed hammer fired, um, double action, single action, CZ PO seven holds 15 rounds, like the same size as the Glock 19, but it's hammer fired. Sweet single action trigger on those CZ PO sevens. They are intimidating looking. They're a little tactical looking. They're kind of angular lines, all that. I think, you know, if I'm a narc officer and I'm doing some crooked cop stuff, pulling that bad boy out, I think it, I think it, it's pretty scary looking, you know, compared to To some other, like, a Glock, which is kind of just like a, looks like a Toyota Camry of the firearms world, so. Yeah, give me, give me some CZs if I'm picking anything for this movie. I know you could get them in, you could not get them in 2001, but you can get them nowadays, and it's my podcast, so I do what I want. So that's basically the movie, that's Training Day, 2001. I give it an A. I like everything about the movie. It is gritty. And it is kind of alludes to some things like with the North Hollywood shootout. It alludes to the Rodney King riots. It alludes to the Rampart Division and the crash units and all that stuff of LA, all that crazy things going on. There's some throwbacks to that from when this movie came out. I give it an A. I think it's worth buying. I think the rewatch quality is there. I love Denzel Washington, I love Antoine Fuqua, I like David Ayer, and I should say I love David Ayer too, and I love Ethan Hawke, so the the people involved in the movie I think did a phenomenal job of the guns in the movie, they did a good job with them, and if I was picking anything from the movie, give me a Glock 19 as my sidearm and a shotgun to be surgical as my primary, and if I could bring anything in, I'm taking a CZ Scorpion Evo 3. And a CZP07 to be a hipster. So, as always, this is Dr. Gary signing off. And here on the internet, we are practicing our First Amendment to practice our Second Amendment. And I'm probably going to start throwing some blurbs in there in the in the future podcast, but I am working on making an Instagram. I am setting up an email for anybody to email me about things because we are starting to get a couple hundred downloads. Um, And I'm getting like six countries, half the half the states in the union, you know, it's it's doing pretty well. So be prepared for some, you know, social media shout-outs and stuff. That way people can get a hold of me if they want to to say, hey, you suck. Or to be like, do this movie, you idiot, or I hate you. You know, that's what I'm expecting most. Or, Ooh, you've flubbed up a word here or there. Ooh, you know, that's what I'm waiting for. I catch it sometimes if I listen to my podcast, be like, oh I said 762 when I was meant to say five five six. So I'm waiting for some people to hate on me. So I'm going to set up a hate mail account. So be ready for that. But I hope y'all have a good and adios.